Welcome to another episode of Quarantine Reviews. My name is Jamie. I'm Thelonious. And if you are new to the podcast, we are watching a movie every single day of the quarantine and giving our reviews, recommendations, and scores for each movie. So that's seven movies per podcast, one week per podcast. And this is week three. And before we get started, a little housekeeping on the scoring system that we are using. We wanted to qualify it a little bit and make it a little bit more sensible, actionable for our listeners. And of course, movie scores are going to be arbitrary Very and subjective. subjective in nature. However, if we were to only discuss the movies with arbitrary speech in general, it makes it harder to relate and harder to recommend. So we want to give some descriptors right. for these scores. Today we're going to stick through five So mainly, yeah, the, the bottom five is where so far most of our movies have land. So we figured kind of keep it through that five to ten um, range. Shorthanded. And if, if the one through four comes up, we'll, we'll, we'll cross <laughs> we'll that bridge. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Okay, so what does a five look like for us? So the five um, is the if you're bored or curious kind of movie where we... Or just like scrolling through Netflix or whatever um, app you're using and you just see it and you're just like, fuck it. Just throw it on. Maybe you've heard something about it. Mm -hmm. Maybe you know there's an interesting aspect to it. But generally speaking, if we're giving a movie a five, we're not recommending it. No. But it's not. that doesn't necessarily mean that it's like a bad movie. It's just not like up to the part that we want you to watch a movie. Exactly. Um, and then at six, if um, we have a watchable movie, um, it's not the best balance, but it has some great aspects to it. Um, you can kind of like float in and out, if you will. And then seven would be our safe bet seven. Um, we think that this has some really solid movies, or it is a really solid movie um, with a lot of redeemable qualities. However, there are a lot of holes to that movie where you kind of just don't feel very complete at the end, if you will. Like, they can make major changes if they wanted to. Yeah, a lot of movies fall into the seven category, and I think these are ones that are generally going to be recommended, but they don't quite transcend into that excellent film that you're going to leave the night with pondering, Mm -hmm. you know, and next several days afterwards. Exactly. So then uh, moving on to eight, Um, We have a great fucking movie that we want you to watch um, immediately. And we're going to abbreviate that, you know, as a GFM for great fucking movie. If it's a GFM and you come across it, you should be watching. Absolutely. It should be on your list because I don't think we're going to give a movie an eight if we don't think it should be watched. And then nine is the cancer plans. Watch this movie. This is a a beautiful fucking movie and you know not a lot of movies will get this rating it might be like our personal favorites but it's the ones that you need to watch so basically if you hear a nine on this podcast that means cancel your evening plans cancel your date and go watch this movie mm-hmm. and then 10 uh you know i'll be surprised if we actually find this ten on our list but if we do buy your coffin you've enjoyed a great life you can rest easy now yeah, the, uh, t- 10, it, it, it's over. 
watch this movie you're done don't, and don't even think it's a risk like oh no my, my life will be over i can't i can't watch this movie no it's the complete opposite watch this movie and you'll say oh wow okay that is it but mm-hmm. luckily we have yet to come across one cool all right so now that we got across our our 10 point plan if you will <laughs> um we are gonna jump right into this week with um reservoir dogs um as a recap we went over Reservoir Dogs, Man on the Moon, Black Swan, Phil- I Love You, Philip Morris, Brothers, Moonlight, and Annihilation. So, um, Reservoir Dogs, it is about a group of thieves that have a bank robbery go completely sideways. Um, and the best part about this story is that it's all because of a, there's a rat inside that group of thieves. Um, and the groups never met each other before. Right. So, like, it, they just all came from different... They all know the, the main mastermind behind this robbery. So, um, he brings them all together. And, you know what? Um, this was a really interesting story for me. Uh, I think it was pretty unique in the aspect of it's all really filmed under one roof. And that's how... That's where the story is. It's all, like, kind of replayed. So the story happened, but then you see like the behind the scenes uh, parts of it that made the story. And I don't know if I've seen many films like that. So I really love that originality to it. Um, It also came out in the 90s, I believe uh, 1990? 1990. Right, so especially for that time, I think it was ahead of its time in that regard. Uh, It's just also from the jump, they had a great opening monologue between um, uh, I believe it was Quentin Tarantino's character he was talking about um, big dicks or about why Like a Virgin was referring to big dicks and it's kind of like weird and throws you off but then it kind of like melts into this like this is these guys' fucking personalities and then he rolls off into um, about how uh, Steve Buscemi's character Buscemi? Yeah, it's by why his uh, character doesn't tip, and I honestly think mm-hmm. if you if we're sitting at a table and you don't throw money in for a tip, and you give me this exact fucking uh, monologue, I swear to God, this exact quote, I I will pay your tip for you. Like you got me. Uh, I think I think it was all really done really well. Um, I also really liked how when they were showing Tim Roth's character when he was explaining or when he was like trying to become the rat. Um, and that is a spoiler if you haven't seen it, but it came out 30 years ago, so watch this fucking movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, when they were kind of showing him do all the steps that it necessarily took for him to be, go undercover, I thought that was really genius, too, to throw that in. It made me feel really involved in the movie at that point. However, I will say the ending made me feel a little bit empty. I didn't feel the full roundedness that I wanted to feel from that movie. So, for me, it ended at 7 because of that. I still think it was really good acting. The story was great. I just wanted a little bit more out of it as far as, like, where do we go from here, you know? So, I mean, a lot of people, if you pay attention to that uh, Tarantino universe, probably the diamonds that they steal in this movie carry on to Pulp Fiction. So maybe that's where he kind of wants to transition people to. I don't know. It's a very thin thread, but uh, I just felt very incomplete at the end. Yeah, but you bring up the point of looking at this movie in hindsight mm-hmm. because he made that four before. years later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this was your. How many times have you seen? This Re- is the second time. I've second seen time. It. Okay. Yeah. So this is my first time seeing Reservoir Dogs, 
and I've seen his other movies countless times. Right. So it's kind of weird for me, uh, retroactively watching this and seeing all the influence that it has on Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill, Hateful Eight, etc. And immediately when you start the movie, it moves at the Tarantino pace. pace right. It's got the callbacks. It's got the uh, character discussion that reels you in with uh, regular life conversation, like a discussion about tipping, and then moves into a, a quick uh, crime pace. And it's got the back and forth split with the chronological order, like Pulp Fiction does. And they sit at a warehouse for the dialogue-driven plot, like Hateful Eight, which takes mm-hmm. place in, in the cabin, almost identical uh, pace there. And it's just funny now watching that and seeing the influence. It's like, wow, I really missed this movie after all those years. So the overall scenario is really cool. Did you notice how in uh, Reservoir Dogs they're dressed in the suits, whereas in Pulp Fiction the two, like Jules and mm-hmm. Vincent were also in mm-hmm. suits, so like maybe there's like connection there. Yeah, yeah. He, he's commented on it b- before. Yeah. I, I, I read it, an interview with him about it, and he just, he puts it so so plainly like he usually does. Like, doesn't that just look gangster? He just mm-hmm. says shit like that. And it's like, yeah, well, I, true. Yeah, can't argue with that. Yeah. Um, but like you said, it, a lot of awesome characters, cool scenario with the uh, mysterious uh, criminals. They're all kind of joined together to, to do this heist uh, however, it didn't didn't quite transcend. There there were a couple things that kept it from becoming that GFM, that great fucking movie. Um, such as I wish I had a little bit more reason or justification for Mr. White's obsession with Mr. Orange, right, Jim Roth's yeah. character. I was like, that okay, was this strange. guy really cares about this guy like a son out of nowhere, and we have zero context. So we, you can say the audience can fill that in. But it was really difficult, too, because these were all a bunch of anonymous mm-hmm. thieves. So, um, at the end, this the score for me is going to be a 7.7, so a, another safe bet 7. And not quite transcend, transcending into the GFM, like I said, but really, really enjoyed this one. Uh, definitely watch it if you haven't gotten around to it. Too. Yeah, watch Worth all Quentin uh, Tarantino movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Alright, so moving on, we have Man on the Moon. This was a biopic of Andy Kaufman, who was a comedian in, I believe it was the 70s, 80s, early 80s, I think is when he died. Um, It's played by Jim Carrey, and it kind of just goes through his whole entire life. Uh, So, you know, Jim Carrey, I think, kills it, absolutely. I don't think there was anything more, like any other characters had the room to put on a performance, maybe Paul Giamatti. But Jim Carrey absolutely killed it as Andy Kaufman. We did watch uh, the, that YouTube clip that had compared um, the, the scenes side by in the movie. side, which was yeah. interesting. It was, it was interesting. very interesting. So uh, I don't know why this movie was made because I think Andy was a dick, and that's what kind of seems like his whole shtick was Andy the dick. And you know, I I. I'm going to keep it kind of short. I did like um, the alter ego, Tony, what was his last name? I forgot it, but the mm-hmm. lounge singer. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, that was fucking amazing. And mm-hmm. Jim Carrey's like, to see him go from Annie Kaufman to that character was absolutely mind-blowing. And I will say this, if you want to get more out of this movie, you should watch Andy and Jim because that makes this like movie a little bit more interesting. So... I, I don't really have a lot more to say of it. I will just give you my score, which is about like a 5.4. Um, it's 
not a movie I can really recommend to people. I'd say like it's it's somewhat watchable if you're into good Jim Carrey performances or if you're just like a fan of his. Um, if you were a fan of Annie Kaufman, go ahead. Otherwise, I can't really watch this movie too much unless like I was just really really bored. Yeah, I mean Andy Kaufman's a, a weird guy. The whole thing is bizarre, and I guess that's how he was, was himself. Yeah. But at the same time, he still was on SNL and still got gigs. So he, there has to be some Something. redeemable qualities to him. So it made me wonder what was the actual appeal like. And Jim Carrey was great, but in those side by sides, it's clear that in real life he was more toned down. But I'm sure at the time, that level of toned down was still the same bizarreness uh, that Jim Carrey um, acted right, for, yeah. for that time. So I think it's still scaled relatively. And, I, you know, I'm not looking to judge it based on the accuracy or the ability to tell the tale because I'm not an Andy Kaufman fan. Yeah. And I would love to hear from one and their take on the movie and Andy Kaufman in general because. I was wondering, what is the appeal for this guy? Why do people like him? Are people actually laughing at this type of humor? Because if so, I, I need some insight. And yeah, so um, it, watch if you're interested in this kind of weird uh, history of comedy. A right. gem. It's kind of a gem. It's, it's, a, it's a weird sliver nice. of a incredibly bizarre personality. A different person, which is always interesting. And I'm going to give this a 6.4 because it is watchable with uh, Jim Carrey's performance, uh, Danny DeVito, uh, Paul Giamatti, and uh, Danny DeVito worked with him on... The Taxi. T taxi. Or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah, the TV show in New York in the 70s. So I, 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 it, it did feel authentic to... It felt to very some, authentic. To yeah. some degree. So yeah, it, it's, it's watchable, but... You should definitely have a little bit of context before going in, into this one blind. Right. Okay, so moving on to uh, Tuesday of week three, we had Black Swan. Now, this came out in 2009, was at the uh, 2010 Oscars, and Natalie Portman won Best Actress. Uh, that was it, though. King's Beach cleaned pretty much everything up at um, that year at the Oscars. And Black Swan follows uh, Natalie Portman, who is this high-level uh, dancer, ballerina right. in New York. And she's at a very prestigious uh, dance academy, I think they refer it to as. And it's going through her perception of what's going on when she is given a lead part in a really big performance. They're like winter performance, which is Black Swan. And this is an intense combination of high-level ballet and mental instability. And it is also growing up with a parent with mental illness, which I don't see enough people talk about when I, when I read about this movie, is how much of a role that mother plays in Natalie Portman's character's instability. I mean, her, her mother is equally, if not more, crazy, crazy than she is. And so f for that... The, I see people faulting that character for some reason. I'm like, dude, her her mother is is batshit crazy. Um, yeah, Mila Kunis was good. Mila Kunis possibly, was fantastic. maybe yeah. her best role, best role I've seen. I'll give it. Think about that for a sec. Yeah, I'll give it. Think about that for a sec. And uh, her her character was a little bit flimsy between, um, being that cool San Francisco uh, dancer who just wants the best for her and. 
and then all of a sudden manipulating her with drugs. Right, that was a that weird That was scene. weird. And yeah. then I was like, okay, wait, do you want us to trust her as a happy-go-lucky California girl? Or does she actually have some ill intentions? Because that yeah. was within the scope of Natalie being a sane person. Because it jumps in between her what's real, what's not, illusion, mm-hmm. reality. And that was within the, the reality scope. I'd say, like, that's, the, like, the tipping point of where it, she went down. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, what is most worth mentioning for me here is the accomplishment that Natalie Portman had with acting. I think that this is one of my top few performances of that decade. And the other accomplishment with this movie is the metaphor. Not many movies can take that uh, a, a, a really obvious meta- metaphor. Black Swan, White Swan, uh, Dark Light... Uh, internal struggle kind internal of. struggle and they brought it full circle beautifully and I know it's a lot of it had to do with the, the play but I, I thought they were actually able to go full circle and this is directed by um, Darren uh, Aronofsky who did Mother and oh, okay. a, a couple others and um, that did not that metaphor didn't go quite full, mm-hmm. full circle like this did so if I, I think that's worth po- pointing out um, some other gripes, it was somewhat non-committal with that, uh, pedo, not pedo, but the creepy director. Yeah, they gave you a little taste of it. A little taste, but in, in apparently put, pushed it over the edge a little, and then she wants to give him a little kiss on the side when she's embracing Black Swan. It was like, okay, we're dipping our toes in this creepy director theme. And of course, it didn't, didn't take anything away from me, but it, it didn't feel like it, it was nowhere near the mother's impact. Would right. you say the direct? Uh, I mean, to a certain degree, just because he was like supposed to be that creepy director, mm-hmm. I guess. But it was really like He's a power he was, figure, exactly. Like he was supposed to like drive that, mm-hmm. like that weird sexual tension of yeah. hers, like push it out of the white swan right. into creating the black swan. Yeah. But she had no support system e- anyway. So no. he, even if, even if he was like a, a regular person or over the top. And she was able to go back to like a loving family or support system. She would ha- have the benefit of the doubt when it comes to her uh, be- being able to restabilize her her kind of mental uh, faculties. But because it was even more unstable at home, it just got worse. Mm-hmm. And I will get. I, I kind of went back and forth quite a bit on this movie. It absolutely is a good fucking movie. This is going to land at an 8.4 for me. It was excellent. I highly recommend it. It did not quite jump the bridge of an 8.5. And it's it's not really low on the uh, good fucking movie spectrum for me. But I, I feel like 8.4 captures my perception of it pretty pretty closely. Okay, cool. Um I would say, like, maybe for Mila Kunis, her, a better role might be for getting Sarah Marshall. I don't know. Yeah, she had she, more in that. She plays, you know? yeah, but she doesn't give us uh, the same uh, array, right? Uh, maybe not. She, I don't know. It's just because, like, there's more in it. And maybe because it was a comedy, like, with Jason Sewell, whatever yeah. the fuck his name is, maybe yeah. that's why, like, it felt more better of a role for her. Yeah. But, I mean, no, she, this absolutely, was out she of her, absolutely killed it. Yeah, and this, this yeah. was a little bit out of her typical casting. Yeah. Oh, oh, for sure. So I was like, get it, yeah. Mila. Try it out. Exactly. Ain't all gotta Do be it again. rom-coms. Absolutely. Be more Absolutely. than a rom-com actress. Um, yeah, so I will definitely say uh, I totally agree with you in a lot of what you said. 
I do think like her mother was a very driving force yeah. of this movie because it, it was really odd because she kept pulling her down like oh like are you sure you want to go for this like are you good enough she's competitive this stuff she yeah. comes from the same same, same ballerina yeah, type exactly, yeah exactly. And, which you know what they sort of addressed but didn't really give me the full context same thing with what you're saying about the director being a pedo it was like how long was he around did he work with the mother did he have a relationship with the mother because they did kind of felt like it, it exactly based, like she based on her context. touched on it a little bit like oh you're sleeping with him mm-hmm. i know how he gets around and then there was that weird jealousy that he drove between like your old news to um what's her face renona Ryder's character yeah uh and then brought in exactly um what's her face uh natalie portman but you know uh it was it was it was really good job by all parts in this movie i really had no idea where it was gonna go especially when they added in like all these psychological like what is what is natalie portman thinking like what is what she's seeing real or is it fake you know like the whole mila kuna sex scene was it real was it fake felt very real they said it was fake in the movie the stabbing was real was a fake who is mila kuna supposed to be is she supposed to be natalie portman's reflection of what a black swan is like all of her imperfections embodied in a one person yeah you know? so she, she she is not the um the perfect because now she's not perfection wants, at wants, all. wants perfection right and and now, uh mila kunis is embraces effortlessly the, in, yeah the imperfection right. yes right but she's still good at what she does so like yeah. um it, it's just really clever about how they kind of incorporate the the play which i think it's actually called swan the swan queen uh i think they embody that throughout the film black swan and i think that was very genius how they did that so i felt very complete with this movie i it to me i'll say it's an 8.5 because i don't want to tell you a cancer plan but it's a great fucking movie, so make the plan to watch it. Mm-hmm. Because this movie, it's been out for 11 years, years now. Yeah. yeah, 10 years. So make the plan to watch the movie. Mm-hmm. It's going to really sit well with you, especially if you like that psychological kind of horror type film. A lot of a lot of scary moments a yeah, little bit. Definitely. you know, Got me on the edge of my seat. Heart racing a little yeah, bit. Yeah, anytime it. you play with uh, reality and what is seemingly fiction at the same time, there's some scary moments, you know. Yeah, People's, they're losing grip on their consciousness, on their, you know, just ability to think. So, it it, it was scary it's, at times. It was scary. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, when um she was trying to put Renault Ryder's stuff back, and then the her arm grabbed mm-hmm. Natalie Portman. I fucking yeah. Like, oh fuck! Yeah. <laughs> I was not expecting that. Yeah, and also a, yeah. a br- brief shout out to Winona because she did have a, a nice little performance that added the short sh- but solid role. Sh- yes, really solid and crucial because that character showed what could happen. Right. You go through the cycle and you turn into this broken alcoholic. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's move on. Yeah, we can talk about that one for a while. We could, yeah. yeah. Black Swan, and, and that, that says a lot about that movie. Awesome psychological thriller. Check it out. Cool. Yeah, so moving on uh, is I Love You, Philip Morris. Another Jim Carrey performance. And this is a comedy based on a true story about a con man who um, has been living his life as like this kind of perfect man kind of you know church marriage child uh police officer and then um he was he was originally given up for adoption and then as soon as he kind of confronts his mother on it it kind of shows 
him going down this path of mm-hmm. finally embracing who he is. Yeah, which his, is, his mother denied or denied him. Yeah, like he she, immediately as she had him, she dropped him off somewhere. Yeah, and then when he confronts her, she says, "I don't know what you're yeah. talking about." Yeah, even though she clearly does. He was a middle child. Mm-hmm. That was wild to me. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, so, and this movie is all about how he comes across this, so he comes out as gay, and then he comes across this man named Philip Morris, which this movie drives on for his love of Philip Morris. Um, Jim Carrey was fantastic yet again. Definitely one of, like, his top performances in my book. Uh, I think that, you know, um, he had a very vivacious, like, attitude the whole time where he was always upbeat even though things were going poorly for him. You know, this is based off a true story, so I don't know how accurate it is. There could be a lot of stuff that's misrepresented for our attention. I don't know. But I really did like the fact that there was a lot of that, like, um, comedic timing scenes where Mm -hmm. he kind of um, is able to escape many times from prison it kind of seems like how have these guys not noticed that he's mm-hmm. escaped before yeah. is it not like who how many times have people it became escaped? a gag it really was and so it was just like kind of mind-boggling but they added in a lot of that those elements to our um to this movie which i just absolutely enjoyed this one um it, it had a really fast pace to it i feel like you know because mm-hmm. like it starts off as he's a simple man yeah he's gay mm-hmm he needs money. Yeah. He's going to jail. Yeah. He f- falls in love with Philip Morris. Mm-hmm. Like, immediately with the, he goes to jail. And then, he continues cons. Next thing, next thing, next thing. So, it's a very fast-paced movie. Um, so, it's, I think it's a pretty long one, too. Maybe, like, two hours or something. At least, yeah. Yeah. But it didn't feel that. So, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed yeah. that part as well. So, um, overall, uh, I just want to say, it, it's definitely a great fucking movie. 8.3 to me. Um, I would highly recommend this if you're really looking for something to watch even tonight, watch this fucking mm-hmm. movie. It, it's, it's a great movie. I was thoroughly shocked, to be honest. Yeah, it's fantastic. And uh, Philip Morris is played by Ewan McGregor. And so Jim and Ewan take us through a dark comedy. But is it, it's dark? light. So, so, yeah, so it's, it's categorized. So that's what I was trying to figure so out. So it's categorized yeah. as a dark comedy. Right. Because there are themes of, of death disease tragedy here and there but it's all presented in a light way yeah so that's exactly what i I was thinking after watching i was like is this a dark comedy it is in some aspects but in other aspects like the gags the way that jim carrey delivers like he does in uh more more traditional jim carrey senses not in he's not in a serious tone like he is in eternal sunshine or the, the end of truman show um he's more like the beginning of truman show when he's the that happy go lucky mood and the general light tone, um, despite the seriousness of the content, is really propelled by Jim Carrey's style. Yeah. He, he's able to take you through at that fast pace. He's able to deliver things on rhythm, on time. And also the uh, relationship between Jim and Ewan being uh, gay lovers, was they worked so well together. I remember after the first few scenes, they hadn't kissed or anything. And I was like, okay, you guys really about to play a gay couple and not kiss? Like, I'm about to turn this movie off if I don't see some some. You really wanted that gay scene. I was like, give me some lip action here, boys. What's going on? And then finally, they started making out and stuff. I was like, okay, good. You guys committed. Fully committed to the role. Yeah, otherwise, I'm sure they they knew that too. You can't do that without committing. And sometimes sometimes it worked really well, the kind of dark light aspect of it. 
Other times, I was like, this is kind of stupid. There, there were moments, especially with the prison escapes and yeah. the, the, like, duping and, like, oh, I got him again. I was like, okay, one too many times. Okay, yeah. One too many times. And that really drove it down a lot for me because it, it took whatever overlay of seriousness and it just kept throwing it out and then trying to put it back on, throw it out. And for that reason, this is going to be a solid 7.2 for me. It really needed to take it up a notch for me to um, enjoy it at a higher level. And I feel like this is one of the largest discrepancies we've, we've had. It probably is. But, you know, that's that's okay. I that's mean, the nature. We're allowed I, to have our opinions. That's the way she goes. Absolutely. Yeah, movies are subjective. Okay, well, uh, moving on from I Love You, Philip Morris... Uh, the next movie we watched for week three was Brothers. And this came out in 2009, similar to uh, Black Swan. And this did not win any awards. Like I said before, 2010 was a big year at the Oscars. And most people have heard of Brothers. It was marketed pretty um, pretty well. It was, yeah. it was everywhere. It was, it was a commercial movie, at least when it, at the release. In 2009, it's, this is a war movie. This is post nearly post Iraq and Middle East like, conflict for the most part. Yeah. Um, just getting out of the Bush era, basically. So it, it's still hot on people's minds. But anyway, the story follows two brothers, Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, Toby McGuire. Right. Toby is the model brother in the family. He his their Their father was a Marine. He's a Marine and he's in he's about to go back to to war in iraq and his um his wife natalie portman is this kind of like ideal wife stay at home but wife take care wife. of the kids yeah honor wife and jake gyllenhaal is this kind of washed up alcoholic brother who just got out of jail and so it follows toby into battle and he um, gets captured by a terrorist group after crashing a helicopter, gets PTSD, and returns home after being pronounced dead for one year. And so he comes back home, and guess what? He thinks that Jake Gyllenhaal's sleeping with his wife, Natalie Portman, even though they haven't. They, they kissed briefly. So I think it was over-the-top marketed as a movie about a brother sleeping with the other brother's wife, and it's way more about PTSD to me. It's, way more about PTSD. Yeah, it, it's about the uh, kind of post effects of war. It's it's a it's about what happens when you, when you come home after you've seen tragedy tra tragedies that nobody at home can even fathom, let alone relate to. And I think that be, that portrayal of PTSD was really really strong. And this is probably my favorite performance of Toby's. And it is a damn shame that he wasn't nominated for this. And I looked at the nominees for uh, Best Actor. And George Clooney was nominated for Up in the Air. I don't know if you've seen that. No. It's I thought I, I thought it was really stupid and didn't need to be made. Uh, he, I, I'm not, I won't even get into it. But anyway, I'm not saying that Toby could have won. Or should have won, but he should have been nominated. This this was such a stellar performance by him, and um, Natalie Portman was good, but probably miscast. She's an independent thinking actress. She plays K 
characters who uh, go on their own volition and do their own thing and are you know what I'm saying? And she's yeah, playing. Was, she's playing housewife. Like, yeah, it was kind of like a big name attachment, if it you will. Yeah, because, like they already got two big stars. Com- completely so. unnecessary. I would have rather seen, um, just off the top of my head, Amy Adams could could have played that role better at that time. Not better, but would have been a better fit. Mm-hmm. So a little mismatch there, I thought. Um, and the, the brother dynamic was was odd. It was cool that Jake Gyllenhaal finds purpose when his, uh, you know when his brother leaves because now he has more attention and feels the opportunity to have his own purpose in the family. Kind of like a redemption. A redemption. Yeah. yeah. And then he comes back and he's like, Oh fuck. Well, there goes all that. Um, yeah, I kind of, kind of set it up as far as like, a am the only child kind of thing. Or like now that I'm like the only child mm-hmm. here, um, people are starting to give me the attention that I didn't and get. He starts being he productive. Being a star. Yeah, yeah. He and finds then, it internally too. Internally it kind of seems externally. like it's setting it up for like the battle. Yeah. You know, when, when Toby comes back. Yeah, and that was not executed the best way either. Um, so I, I'm going to give this one a 7.3. So a solid 7. It's drive... Toby's performance is worth watching. And it is suspenseful. It, it'll grip you a few times. But it, it's not... It, it was nowhere near an 8 for me. Yeah. Yeah, for brothers, like... What you're saying with PTSD, I thought they did a very, uh, somewhat how I feel an accurate portrayal of people around him would treat him and what he's going through. Uh, it really felt like that towards the end when he came back. So I think they did a really good job at that. They did build up a lot of tension scenes like throughout the movie, whether it was the alcoholic veteran father who did had like resentment for his youngest son, Jake Gyllenhaal. Or if it was like the whole time when Toby came back, the little scenes between him and Jake or Toby and Natalie Portman, those little weird scenes. And then like the little girls throwing in like the mix of like, I don't, I don't know about you, but that felt a very like out of place. The for, kids. Well, yeah. Like the, the kid when she uh, called out um Tom McGuire, yeah, not Tom McGuire, was... but called out Jake Gyllenhaal like being a better dad. Or yeah, I mean she did call Natalie Toby. Portman wanted like love him. Yeah, and she's like, "You're just mad because he's sleeping with mommy." And it's like, okay, well, first of all, that's not true. Also, what? Yeah, that's <laughs> even <laughs> crazy. Yeah, yeah, I but agree. they needed that like driving force to keep it pushing it through. I guess I thought um, I thought they did like a pretty good job all around in acting, though. I do think that Tom McGuire was like kind of like a stick i don't know you did say like he was supposed to be like a stern person you know he's an army guy but it it just felt very creepy the way that he like approached things like very awkwardly you know like the dad before after uh before more towards i didn't see i didn't see that but before he still seemed yeah he wasn't like the most um fun giggly father but he was still seemed level he tried being like a like a loving dad though you know playing with his girls and Mm -hmm. Yada yada, but just like his movements, the way he sat down on the bed, and just like kind of like weird army guy, marine. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. But it just, <laughs> I don't know. It's just like it, it just didn't feel like it was natural. So like to me, I just didn't like that at all. I thought like like his dad, like he felt stern. You know, he was a yeah. veteran. He felt stern. Yeah. Uh, so I think Tom McGuire could have been a little bit better, but I don't know. Also, it's just really hard seeing him in a serious role because he's just. A, he has like a baby face, you know. He's just a, 
Like he does, but again, guy. Marines are, are always clean shaven and, and whatnot. So that's to, true. To me, he yeah. fit, he fit the architect well, pretty well. The guy who played his commander, I think, um, I've seen him in other films. I don't know his name. He's never like a big role, but he had that like hard look to him too. Mm. You know? Yeah, that that's fair. I mean, yeah. He, regardless, regardless of, of, Toby's, of yeah, Toby, yeah. of what Toby was born with. Hey, go go back to New York, Spider Man. That's all I gotta say. No, okay, but I will say this. I, I will I will say that it was a good but not great movie. Um, I'm gonna give it a around like a seven one because I I think it just barely got to that safe bet seven that like you can definitely watch and enjoy this movie. I think if you're not gonna be like entertained by, I think if you're expecting more of like that battle scene between brother versus brother because that's the way it was kind of portrayed in the like the trailers uh, you're going to be pretty disappointed it's a little bit slower than that not not a whole lot slower but slower than that mm-hmm. so it's a it's, it's a safe movie but i'll be careful um but yeah okay mo- moving on so, so second to last movie of week three is moonlight which came out in 2016 and this had a lot of controversy around it just only because of the whole award thing where they called out La La Land instead of Moonlight who won Best Picture and you know Moonlight also won two other awards as well the supporting actor role went to Mahershala Ali and um, for Best Adaptive Screenplay so this movie has a lot going for it it was and you can really tell why from the jump. It, it, it's Moonlight is a film that takes a look at three chapters of a boy's life in the ghettos of Florida, I, I believe Miami, and it kind of kind of shows like how he grows up into his sexuality or like how he handles the sexuality that he has with the people around him. So it it I love this movie a lot because uh, you know everyone does a really good job acting. I think the way that the filmography was, or cinematography was, where um, they would shoot in front of somebody's face, and it would just be their face, and you can kind of see their expression, and then they, they would kind of start talking behind it. I really love that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it gives a good look at the black male sexuality as well, because, you know, it's very, it's very mishandled in a lot of households. I remember taking a psychology of, like, sex and stuff, or some shit in Mm -hmm. college and they talked about how a lot of family members like you know like if someone tries to come out as gay you know they're being attacked by all sides and you know he grew up in an abusive household with an abusive mom um no father and his father figure was a drug lord so um and you know he was picked on a whole hell of a a bunch throughout school in fact when we first introduced with Chiron he is being chased by schoolmates who are calling faggot throughout the street. So it, it, it it's a very hard-looking story. Um, you know, when I first got told to watch this, I felt like I was going to be, like, pretty sad throughout it, you know, and I, I don't like to be sad. But it kind of gives you, like, that good, completed feeling towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, you feel like you, you cherish this person's life even though it, you're just watching it and it's not even a part of your life. You really care about them. You really do. Like, Chiron, my man, dude. Mm-hmm. And, like, everybody does. Like, every Chiron fucking kills it, man. Mm-hmm. And even, like, uh, I like Kevin's, like, teenage character. 
I think that was a very good, that's when he has his sexual experience and it felt like a very like intimate, like a very intimate moment mm-hmm. that you don't see among like many people who do fall in love. Like I'll tell you what, it, it felt very intimate than any moment between Jake Hall and Natalie Portman and other movies that we've seen. So um, I'll, I'll end off with saying that I think that this one is a, definitely a solid nine. Like cancel your plans, go watch this film. Mm-hmm. I don't think it will ultimately change your life, but I think it's something that you should get the chance to experience, um, like, shortly, soon, like, now, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, man, uh, I, I still am thinking about this. We, we watched it over a week ago, and it's still been on my mind. Um, this movie is divided into three parts, each one sharply transitioned, so you're mm-hmm. forced to use the context of the previous part to piece the, together the next one. And to me, they are not equally weighted. Uh, Mahershala in the first part was astonishing, and I thought it was too short. All I wanted was more of that dynamic between a new father figure and um, this kind of uh, this kid with so many internal conflicts going on. And Mahershala's, the, the relationship was inspirational. He, he was so honest with him about everything. What is a faggot? Am I a faggot? That, those kind of questions. And he answered them so honestly. Even if it hurt him. Even if it hurt yeah. him. And he, sh- he wants to share wisdom. That, that character that Mahershala was playing like, was so excited to be this, the father figure. And, and then it moved immediately boom, Marshall's gone mm-hmm. into the second part, which was the manifestation of the early frustration because now everything that he witnessed as a young child into adolescence is starting to boil up. And then that gets us into the third where he has found solace or solitude to some degree in a hard shell. And then at the end, the shell peels a little mm-hmm. bit and it ends with him uh, cuddling with not his lover, but Kevin. a friend. Yeah, yeah. Kevin, a, f- a friend, a friend, his only lover. He's had, yeah, so, somewhat. Yeah, and because it's kind of funny seeing that too, like uh, with him being in that sh- like he's in that new show where mm-hmm. he's like a hard hustler, yep. like Juan type of character. Exactly, and then yeah. he immediately reverts back to Kevin. Like that's yeah, he he emulated. Insane. Mahershala. Yeah, he had the same crown on his. He did um, on his Chevrolet. On his, on his Chevy, yeah. And then, what is Durag the same? But he still, he gets one phone call from Kevin, and that's all it takes for him mm-hmm. to drive from Georgia to Florida. It's his Kevin's his beacon of mm-hmm. hope. His one. I think I think he was planning on going back to Florida to see his mom, anyways, right? But um, then it was just like the thing that was like, yeah. Now he, like, I'm it, gonna stay. It and I, do this, I would argue yeah. it was it was the catalyst for him okay. going down there, and. You know, it's like being at lost at sea for months and see, seeing a lighthouse. I feel like that's what Kevin was for him. He was like, wow, I've, I've got hope that this this thing that's been hiding in me can be set free. And he is able to open up. And I thought that was a really beautiful way to end the movie. And the story is so strong. And I just don't think it was as balanced as I was hoping for. And Mahershala, I was I was thinking afterward after the movie, he needs a lead role as soon as possible. Besides True Detective, True Detective did not suffice. It was 
it, I mean, that's just another conversation. But it, mm-hmm. True Detective was not well done enough for him to showcase his his skills, in my opinion. And this first part was so phenomenal, and I think that just that relationship could have drove a movie. Of course, now now I'm just wishing mm-hmm. for, for something different. But overall, it, it's such a, a good film. This was, was he the main in Green Book? He was. He won Best Supporting Actor. Really? Yeah, Vigo is the lead. lead. Oh, so, wow. Um, so he's got two supporting actors, mm-hmm. uh, a wins under his belt. And I think it's it's his time for that breakout lead performance. I'm sure somebody's got one somewhere cooking for him. Yeah. But this is... be like a menu. Just like the sixth man, you know, always uh, better at sporting be, and, and starting. And that's... that's there's nothing wrong with that mm. at all. And if he continues to give stellar supporting actor performance, so be it. But if nobody gives him the chance, then then we got a, another pr- problem yeah. going on. But um, I'm going to give this movie an 8.4. This is around the area of Black Swan, but I think Black Swan had a better full circle movie outside of real life applications and social situations just from the movie itself because the i I wasn't as moved by the other parts as i was the first one and i i the second one was was pretty similar it was up there for me but the third one i just the time at the at the diner was too long they could have gone off of course it was all real it was all well done but it just didn't use the time as effectively so this is a this is a great fucking movie this is a gfm if there ever was one and I, I could see this one aging really well over time. I could see my score uh, fluctuating up or down. But I can't say enough about how much this has made me think about uh, my past, the way I've treated my LGBT friends, and um, just kind of how I interact on a day-to-day. Everybody experiences discrimination in a different capacity. And uh, Chiron had a re- very realistic story of getting it um, from a, a numerous different angles. And it's funny just thinking about this, how Mahershala's character is talking to him about, um, he's like, hey, you know what? There are black people everywhere. Don't you ever forget that. We're the first people on earth. As if that's going to be the first piece of discrimination he's asked to deal with, but it wasn't. The first piece of discrimination that kid has already dealt with is being gay. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't even know it. And then later on, they start to cross that bridge of like, oh boy, I'm not gay, but I'm gonna have to help this kid with coming to terms with it. And I was like, wow, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, enough. I, yeah, I could we, go could, off. we go. We go on. I this go. is a movie we can go I on could forever. Go, man. Yeah. Yeah. Great fucking movie. Okay. Last movie of week three here, Annihilation. This came out in uh, 2018. So pretty pretty recently. I, I feel like a lot of our listeners have probably uh, seen this or heard of it. This follows uh, Natalie Portman. We did. Um, triple up on on, on Natport this week and I'm not mad about it she is a uh, professor a PhD uh, biologist she studies genetics which is really fitting because she embarks on a, a scientific journey if you will into the shimmer which is this so basically a meteor hit earth a meteor of sorts. They actually don't know for sure if it was a meteor, meteor exactly. Yeah. But it created this um, 
ecosystem that's surrounded by a literal physical sphere that manipulates light. So when you look at it, it just kind of looks at, it looks like a rainbow light, like you would see gasoline on, on the pavement, the kind of reflection. Is it, is it all light or is it, it, I mean, is it light or is it like, uh, just like, I'm saying it's reflecting light. So it's, oh, it's yeah, a wall. Yeah. Oh, it's a, yeah, yeah, it's a yeah, sphere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a huge encompassing growing sphere that's expanding and manipulating the, the environment as it goes out. Mm-hmm. If you can't tell already, this is it was a sci-fi. It, yeah. Sci-fi sci-fi thriller, mm-hmm. a lot of lot of trippy moments in it, but as you can tell, it's even it's hard to describe as it is because it has some uh, pretty trippy concepts going on. Um, but I'll leave it at that. It's exhilarating. It stuck to its guns. Uh, huge props for that because it could have been really bad, really fast if they went like a kind of cheesy route. Yeah. Um, but I don't think Nat Nat Port would sign up for that because she generally generally speaking does does some more kind of focused uh, quality roles and it committed all the way all the way to the very end. And I think what stands out about this movie, unlike a lot of the ones we watch, is that it had fantastic visuals sounds and just great sci-fi footage a lot of cool shots uh the characters sometimes are so so um for example the uh, lesbian character uh, i feel like could have been a little bit illustrated differently with the downfall how quickly she kind of lost it uh in comparison to the other and then she tied up the real the three characters and it's like okay is she a pirate all of a sudden yeah where did she get the idea to uh, to tie them up and and put covers on their mouth and then kind of walk up and down like it's this performance so that 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 was a little bit uh they could they could have done it in a different way um really solid natalie portman performance uh it was really strange how her character she it seemed like her character had it easier than the other ones inside the shimmer because when you enter the shimmer the weird biosphere it manipulates your genes they start uh duplicating Mm. and her character for some reason was like basically immune whereas the other ones were lost their shit almost immediately well i mean i think i mean i think she because she understood it was happening more clear she was able to come to terms with it yeah like kind of figure it out that that's the problem though is it's because like the tessa thompson's character she also kind of figured things out she yeah. was also a she wasn't a, she was somewhat of a biologist too wasn't she so you think the like she the conscious perception of what's going on can inhibit the physical reality of the cells uh, duplicating to to a degree like maybe more than somebody who's not quite okay. like aware of like what's all going yeah. on like you can't process yeah. like this is where okay. it is. So you're kind of going a little so bit crazy. You, like, so maybe she happening? still felt it, but she didn't react as much because yeah. she was able to process it. Yeah, okay. I, mean, I, I could like, see she, that a little bit. Because she blacked out, too, when they first opened up. Yeah, right. The, yeah. the initial part. Yeah. Okay, that, that's that's fair. Um, really enjoyable. Cool concept. Strong ex- execution. Uh, Oscar Isaac's character, the guy from Star Wars, the new ones, the pilot. Uh, his motives could have been a little bit better. Like, I get it. His, is he the guy that was in the Ex Machina? Yes. Okay, okay, yeah. His character, there's like you know an affair going on and stuff, and he just seemed a li- little half-assed there. Um, Annihilation. I'm going to give a seven point five. It is a solid seven. I was gonna give a lower seven, but the visuals are so good. It is so fun to watch, and you know if you've got you know some legal recreational cannabis near you, it will enhance it, it. It will <laughs> en- enhance it. Yeah, so uh, I definitely thought this was 
the second best Natalie Portman film that we watched this this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't like the visuals as much as you did. I did think that they were, like, really good. I just think, like, other movies this week were slightly better. Visual? We didn't have any sci-fis this week. Uh, well, I mean, like, visual, visually entertaining or, like, uh, like the lights in... Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not talking... I'm not like talking the visual crazy, effects. Yeah, okay, okay. We didn't really have any other movies with VFX, necessarily. No. Uh, Black Swan a little bit towards the a end when she turns into it, but... Yeah, totally. Um, okay, yeah, so then with that regard, okay. yeah, you're right. Yeah, uh, cinematography, you're right, like, m- Moonlight, way better, like... Yeah, they li- handle, lighting, like, lighting and, and all that, that stuff. Definitely. But, um, yeah, it was a very interesting watch. I will say that I thoroughly, as someone who doesn't like these kind of horror psychological movies, I also found myself enjoying this one a lot. It had a very interesting take on what would happen if an alien meteor were to land on Earth, what are the effects, mm-hmm. this one, duplicated genes. Mm-hmm. It was pretty interesting to see everyone's like kind of take on it as soon as they kind of figured out what was going on. Natalie Portman wanted to march on through. Same with the the doctor, and then um, the the one woman who was eaten by the bear. I don't get what her motive was entirely. Like, was she trying to be a supportive of Natalie Portman, or what? Was she? I don't. I don't really get her character's motive. She was. Yeah, you're right. She was in between, which is why I think she left first because she was somewhat of a voice of reason. So her leaving early made it easier to pit the rest of them against, against each, each other. other. Yeah, yeah. So the early death made sense to me for her. Definitely. So with her, like, so after that, you know, you get the 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 bear that ate her. It comes back, and um, I thought that was a very interesting concept that they included in with bringing the the bear having her screams, which is freaky as fuck. I think I've seen it somewhere else before too. But I really love that they added this in here. Uh, it, it it did make it a little bit telling though when um, when they were all tied up that when the fucking lesbian character she ran outside when she heard the screams, like we already saw the dead body, so like we know like it's gonna be like a bear or you know some kind of creature that adapted that scream. Mm-hmm. At least that's what it felt like to me. Like I could tell like the bear was coming. Yeah. But they did a really good job at that, regardless. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that the story could have been like they could have ended the story a little bit better. Like I thought that was a the very, ending was crazy. It was really weird. It like was what really the fuck weird. was I watching? I think I think that's yeah. how most people felt, felt about it. I don't want to say too much, mm-hmm. but because it that is like the one five minute part that is like really controversial. It's like yeah. what the fuck was that? Yeah, like the only thing I could like compare it to is like I don't know if you've ever seen the thing. But it, it's a it's a alien that hits in Antarctica that gets frozen and then you know researchers go to Antarctica for some reason and they stumble upon it and then it starts killing the researchers one by one and taking over its body. So that, that way it's supposed to like take over the world that way. And that's what this kind of feels like, especially towards the end, because um, you're not sure if Natalie Portman is actually the alien or if she's human you know because like apparently uh what's the name oscar isaac yeah they switched they yeah, switched because yeah. they duplicate and when i said duplicate duplicating genes i mean the genes uh the cells split and that that can in turn create uh duplicated organisms and that's the case of oscar isaac so they, I th- they duplicated him mm-hmm. into another one which happens sometimes and, and sometimes not so i was i was assuming like that duplicate was 
um, one of the, within like the life form that you see at the end that because that same kind of life form takes the shape of Natalie Portman, mm-hmm. and you know maybe it already adapted to lying because you know you see the that alien um, that adapts into Natalie Portman they pull the trigger and or like the the flash grenade and gets blown up sort of mm-hmm. so I, and you know like if she's telling the story to the the people at the end. Why not just try and kill um, the duplicate Oscar Isaac? Because do you remember the very, very end when they hug and her eye eyes turns yeah. color? So that leaves you, so it's an inception like, moment where, okay, either she is the real Nat Port or she's the fake one or she's the real one whose genes were manipulated so now her eye changes color. And I don't right. think that, that stick is going to last very long. No. And you know what, though? That does bring me to this like point of like if you watch closely, no. This is my first time watching it, and I noticed it immediately. They have a tattoo mm-hmm. on their forearm that mm-hmm. switches around. Watch for that. Watch like for that tattoo. Different people or three different people. Yep. And so it's just like, what the fuck does that mean, man? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. No, the tattoo is another trippy element there. Yeah. So uh, all in all, I give this um, an eight. Uh, you know, eight point one. I'm leaning it a little bit closer towards, um, you know, uh, the nine area. Not 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 by much. Towards the seven, you mean? Uh, 8.1? Yeah. Leaning it more towards the um, 8.5, 9 area. As of, like, it's a great fucking movie. Oh, I see. Yeah, because I, I thoroughly enjoyed it a lot where I did have a lot of questions mm-hmm. at the end, which, you know, may, may make you think, like, you don't um, have a complete, like, sense or feeling from the movie. It just, but sometimes I, it shows complexity. It does, exactly. And so that's what I get. Like, you know, leave me with questions. It yeah. doesn't leave me with, like... I, I need more out of it. It leaves me wanting more mm-hmm. as like, okay, like now I have like questions. I, I can talk about film. it. Yeah, you know, like it, it's one of those movies that makes you want to engage in discussion. And yep. so for me, it, it crossed that GFM boundary Got and in, like closer towards the other side, but not by much. Yeah. That's that's where the point one kind of goes in. Totally fair. Yeah. Okay, well that wraps up uh, week three. Before we give you the week four or roadmap, let's, let's talk about movie of the week. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll go first. So, you know, since I already ranted a little bit too long on Moonlight, I'll just say a few more things. This is absolutely my movie of the week. As I've said for my past movie of the weeks, these ones just gripped me and they're making me think. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of people don't take movies seriously and I don't think you should take them too seriously, but you can't help it if one changes your thought process for a few days. And that's what this did. It, it shows that there's there's more to um, individuals than meet, meets the eye. You can't assume somebody's background, e- even if you're in the perceived in-group. Chiron was in a, a perceived in-group. He was, you know, a black kid from a poor area surrounded by drugs. But within that in-group, he was in his own out-group of being a gay man. And I, I think those types of social constructs, people, it, it's really healthy to reevaluate the way you see them. And I think that's what Moonlight did. Easy movie of the week for me. Yeah. Um, I just barely edged out I Love You, Philip Morris. I would say Moonlight as well. Because, like, I'll, I'll, as I Love You, Philip Morris is a movie that I really had a fun time watching, uh, more so than all the other movies, Moonlight kind of brought me in a little bit emotionally more, and that's what I like out of my movies. 
and I think like like you were saying, um, you know, he was he was in an in group but also an out group. But you know, he it was a kind of funny like complexity that he had with his best friend because you know when they're kids, it just seems like he's the only one that understands him really, and then mm-hmm. you know. They, they get to that gay moment in the um, on the beach mm-hmm. and then it's just kind of like whoa like I didn't see this coming from Kevin um, but it also kind of shows like there's a deeper connection uh, to these two yep. and especially like towards the end of it where you know Kevin has a child with uh, what is it bomb ass Samantha or whatever the fuck <laughs> yeah, right? right. fine ass Samantha mm-hmm. uh, you know and you know he I don't know. We they don't really kind of dig into like Chiron's history. I think he doesn't have he doesn't have any like female sexual partners. He said he had not had a sexual encounter since. High he school. said, "Well, he said no one has touched him, but he's touched." Some. He, well, when asked if he's touched anybody, he says, "Not really." Yeah. So maybe he tried to make a move once or something, but regardless, it's minimal. Yeah, it's very minimal. So it's just kind of interesting to see that kind of aspect to that sexuality. And you know what? I will say this, like, the most, like, satisfying and hard-hitting scene of that movie to me was um, when, after the, the moment between Chiron and Kevin in Chapter 2, uh, they went through this, like, they're the school bully, you know, Kevin still wants to fit in with the guys or with the kids at his school, so he plays that fighting game, or pick a guy and I'll, like, hit him or whatever, and... Obviously, the bully is going to make him hit Chiron because he has a thing to fuck up Chiron for whatever reason. And it kind of, it's that first, like, what the fuck? Like, like it's that first, like, this is the biggest, like, complex or complexity that there is between sexuality and, like, social status. I feel like it's like, do like, you can't, Kevin can't come out as being gay, you know, even though to the guy who he was with. So it, it just kind of hits home. A little right there but then when Chiron has that building tension nah you can't you don't understand you know to the prosecutor and then he just finally comes up yeah, and fucking counselor yeah and then he comes up and he finally hits the, the bully with the chair, with the chair. Yep. so all that energy is like I don't care what the fuck happens to me I'm fuck you Done. yeah so yeah. it it brought a lot out of me in that scene so I thoroughly enjoyed Moonlight all in all um, mm. definitely my movie of the week awesome well that wraps up week three uh, looking ahead to week four, if you want to join us in watching these, we've got Beasts of No Nation, Science of Sleep, Magnolia, Edward, Raging Bull, Good Time, and It Man. It Man. That's going to wrap it up. And thank you guys for listening. Feedback and reception has been great. Hit us up if you have a comment, recommendation, or think we had a questionable take. And leave us some five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. Thanks, guys.